Hey, give somebody a high five and say welcome. Good to see you today. Man, this is cool. We got a packed out, I was going to say a packed out house, but that's the wrong thing. It's not a packed out house. It's a packed out house. Go ahead and grab a seat, man. <laughs> Good to see you guys. I heard today was Candy Palooza. Is that, is that right? We were, uh, we were at the, uh, the drive-up coffee stand over at Black Rock near our house, and uh, we pulled up, and Bethany and I, we get coffee once or twice a month. We don't really have a habit but, uh, of it, but, you know, we go every day. So we actually took out a second mortgage on our home just to pay for our coffee habit. Anybody else from the Northwest? And we're not ashamed of it. We're actually proud about that. It's, we're happy about it. But uh, we pulled up today, and uh, we're getting our drinks. And uh, uh, the, the, the lady there, she said, she was in a costume, you know, so I, I said, hey, I like your costume. And then I thought, it's a good thing that she was wearing a costume and that wasn't her outfit. But she said, uh, what are you guys doing today? I said, well, we're actually going to Candy Palooza. And she was like, oh, what's Candy Palooza? And I said, oh, well, you know, it's actually at our church. And then I had an opportunity to invite her, and that was great. So Candy Palooza, was, it's already doing great things for the gospel, and we're excited about that. And if you don't know, as adults here, uh, it, it is for the kids, and the dentists in Eugene are just so excited that churches do these events. But we're, we're doing uh, this event for kids, but, but adults, parents, we, we, we're not leaving you out, right? There is candy out there, and you're participating in Candy Palooza. All right, so just, you know, let go of that keto diet. Just enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out on the way out. But so excited to be with you guys today. We have a, an awesome privilege to hear from Pastor Michael Murphy all the way from the other side of the, not specific ocean, the Pacific Ocean, in case you say it wrong, from Australia. And I'm going to uh, invite him up in just a minute. But uh, I love being with Pastor Michael. He's been really encouraging our church in so many ways over the past few days. But yesterday, we had an opportunity to partake in a very holy moment, which was to go to the Oregon Ducks game. Come on. Oh! And uh, Pastor Michael enjoyed it. And he, you know, he didn't even cheer for the Colorado Buffaloes. He was cheering for the Ducks, just in case anybody was nervous about that. And uh, it was a great time. So it was Kyle and Avine and I and Pastor Michael, and we were walking. Uh, we parked a, you know, a little ways away. We're walking up to the stadium. And Pastor Michael, you know, he's a well-traveled man, but he's never experienced the culture. <laughs> you know that Eugene is known as the Paris of the Northwest. <laughs> and so uh, we're, we're walking through the parking lot, and uh, he sees, you know, this nice couple sitting at the back of their I don't know, Tahoe or something, and they had their little chairs, and they had some, I think, some popcorn, and it was little snacks, snacks, you know, and he goes, is that a tailgate? And we kind of laughed, oh, we laughed, no, 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 that's not a tailgate. How many of you know, when you go to Autzen Stadium, and it's a different whole thing, and so he said, actually, the tailgate parties, it's a, it's a big deal here, you know, as we get closer to the stadium, you're going to start to see people have their big RVs, and they're out there playing cornhole, and they're, and, and I, and I said, and, and you know, Pastor Michael, he speaks English. It's a form of English, and you're going to hear it here, but it's Australian, right? And they, they say things that, 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 you know, us uncultured Americans, we, don't, we just can't, we're not at that level. So we had a translation moment. We had a translation error where, though we're speaking the same language, we're, we're not. And, and, you know, my Northwest nasally accent, I, somehow it, what I said didn't get communicated. So I said, no, this is not a tailgate. Uh, we're going to see the tailgates. You're going to see the big RVs and people playing cornhole. And people have these big grills. G-R-I-L-L-S. Grills. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But that's not what Pastor Michael heard. 
what he heard me say was, and yeah, there's all these big girls. <laughs> big girls. And, and so I could feel it. I, it. Just the atmosphere shifted. We had sort of a, we were walking along and we're trashing each other, you know, as guys do. Like how many men know the more you make fun of each other, that's the more love that you have. Right? That's how we roll, right? And so we're kind of trashing each other and going back. All of a sudden I say the big grills statement and he just kind of gets a little quiet. And I, I could feel like, I think I'm in about ready to get a pastoral rebuke. <laughs> and if you don't know this, I, I'm a pastor's kid, a PK. I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. And so I have like a rebuke radar. It's very <laughs> sensitive. And so I could feel, it's like Sailors, you know, they'll say red sky at morning, sailors take warning, and they kind of know the weather. And for me, I have my knee starts to quiver if I'm about ready to get rebuked, and I could feel the trick knee was getting agitated. I, and, and then he goes, I thought you said big girls, but then we realized, no, big grills. And so the rebuke never came. And, and luckily, we weren't observing the size of the ladies at Autzen or in the tailgate or anything. Uh, we were able to have a great time. And on that note, Pastor Michael, I'd love you to come and bring the word until I, so I don't shrink the church too much. Gotta love big grills, right? <laughs> Gotta love big grills. How are you, Joy? You doing good? <clears throat> it is so great to be here. My first time in Oregon, and uh, I have never been to this state before. I've been to the U.S. about 70 times, so I'm delighted to be here and have had a wonderful time already uh, hanging out with, uh, with Pastor Jake and Bethany and the kids. Love those kids, amazing. Um, and uh, we, we, we've known each other for a couple of years now, but only on Zoom. And I don't know whether you've ever found this, if you've known someone on Zoom, they, they, you think that they're going to be shorter than what they are. <laughs> like, what is that? You know, they're, they're, I, I kind of expected to see Pastor Jake and say, hey, buddy, how you doing? You know, <laughs> but my first thing I said was, you're tall. You're tall. So this is the first time we've actually met in person. And uh, I feel like we know you. Reputation. Uh, in a really good way. And, uh, and so, um, nice job you're doing here with the, the new pad. It's amazing. Come on, give yourself an applause. I am so excited. Obviously, it's still in the process. Um, Gary and the team uh, doing a phenomenal job. I was saying to Gary, are these in the same seat? You were? Is that your seat? Do you own that seat? Yeah, that's the same seat you were in the other day. Have you got your name on that? Oh, come on. Gary, in Australia, if you, if you have a short name, don't, don't ask me why, we will lengthen it. <laughs> if you've got a long name, we'll shorten it. So, so Gary would be Gaza. Everyone say Gaza. If you, uh, if you have, you know, like Michael, um, uh, Michael Murphy, you know, typically, Murph, how you doing, Murph? <laughs> so we have, we talk about the accent thing, you know, that's the, that's the, uh, that's one of the anomalies in Australia. We tend to be very laid back, um, very loud. So do, let me just warn you right up front. If you are new and you're visiting 
and you're thinking, have I got to listen to this guy that can't even speak English before I get my face full of candy? Yes, you do, but it is good to have you here. First time for me, you're welcome. Nice to meet you. And uh, hey, why don't we, if you are a regular here at Joy Church, why don't you give a huge shout? Let's do this, let's do this. I learned it yesterday, right? A huge, oh, to all of those that are visiting that came for the free candy. One, two, three. So I hope you feel welcome. And the Ducks had a good win to boot yesterday. So uh, it, was, uh, it was really, really good. Hey, let me pray. Um, I do have a word that I want to encourage you with today. And, uh, and so before we get into it, I'm going to ask God to help me. Um, Father, I just thank you for your grace and your love for each one here. Lord, thank you that um, though thousands and thousands of miles, or as we say, kilometers uh, across the sea, there's something that draws us together greater than nationality, greater than accent, greater than place of birth, and that is the name of Jesus. Thank you that we've had time to worship you today. And I just pray that you'd help me to open your word and speak into the hearts of every person here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I um, I, I actually... uh, uh, We we, we ate yesterday ourselves stupid. We did a pre-candy palooza. Uh, yesterday, I normally eat reasonably carefully. I mean, I, I've, I've lashed out a little bit on this trip, I've got to say. And uh, I, I, uh, I found a few uh, COVID kilos. Um, and, uh, but we started yesterday. What happens for me, if I eat a lot of carbs, I, I can feel myself, um, I snore. And my wife is really, really missing me big time. Ladies, this would be a good time to just look straight ahead. Do not, do not, no, no elbowing. Uh, or, or indeed, no, I don't want to be sexist about this. Man, if, you, if, if your wife is prone to the odd whatever, then just keep your eyes straight ahead. So my wife is missing me, but not missing my snoring. And uh, we've had a, we had a big week. Uh, I think week before last, we had our 34. 38th wedding anniversary, uh, and thank you, yes. My wife is a saint, and, uh, and we also had our um, fourth grandchild born, um, little Margot, and uh, so it's a big week for the Murphy household, but, but, but going back about eight years or so, I was in Holland, and my wife had been jibing me about, you know, you snored again last night and so forth. And I'm like, you know, well, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I need proof. There is no proof. Like, I, I didn't hear myself snore. And, uh, you know, I put the challenge out there. I said, you could record it. There's a thing called phones and you can do that. No, no evidence. So, but, but because I love my wife and wanted to be married more than the 30 years that we had on the clock at that point in time, um, I was in, a, in the equivalent of a CVS store in the Netherlands. And, uh, and I came across this little thing called, uh, it's called Snore Stop. And um, it's, it's kind of shaped like a bit of a fire extinguisher. And, um, and, and so I thought, I'll give it a dry run. I mean, I don't know whether it works or not. I picked it up. It cost me, you know, five bucks or something like that. And uh, 10 bucks. And so I, I, I stole away quietly by myself and I, and I 
I one up one nostril, up the other, and it nearly blew the inside of my head out. I thought, no wonder you don't snore. There's nothing left inside your head to snore with. And then I read the instructions that says, throw, spray it in your throat. Everyone say, read the instructions. Read the instructions. We're going to do a bit of that today. Um, we, we, uh, when we had our grand, uh, grandkids, prior to that, I had a little VW EOS, VW EOS, which is a little convertible VW uh, hardtop. And I love that little car. We still got it. And, uh, but it was too small to put car seats in the back. So I was looking for something a little larger, maybe a mid-range four-wheel drive. And I looked at a Range Rover, um, like the mini version of that. It was probably too small. And I was at the, at the showroom and the salesman said, why don't you look at that car over there? And I said, what is it? And he said, it's a Jaguar. And I said, oh, I don't want to buy a, buy a small country. I just want a car, right? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, no, 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 I'll give you a really good deal. It's a demonstrator. And I, he said, why don't you take it for a spin? And I, tried, I was trying to back out, you know, when you're in that kind of connection point with a car salesman, no, no offense, but you know, they're pretty good at their job and it was a lovely car. And I knew that I was on toast if I actually led in too close to this whole thing. And so uh, he said, take it for a spin. I said, I've got to pick my wife up. He said, look, take it overnight. And I went, ooh, I may not bring it back. And he said, I oh, will stitch that up, don't worry. And, uh, and he said, look, when you take it, pick your wife up and take it for a real, like really drive the thing. He said, take it through the National Park, which is near our house. So I went and picked my wife up. I was feeling like Lord Muck, you know, there's a moon roof and, you know, I, I had my arm out the window. You know, I was, just, I was just like, I was feeling like, you know, this is a pretty cool car. I'm feeling extra cool in this car. So I picked her up and we, we made our way to the National Park as the salesman had said. And so we're, we're cruising through the National Park, trees over the top. Uh, it's a beautiful balmy su uh, summer's evening. And, and out of the bushes, as it was going dusk, a gray flash came out and a kangaroo cleaned up the front of the car that we did not yet own. I mean, you could have cut the air with a knife inside the car. And, and the kangaroo probably got cut up a little bit too. When I show this, the guys are like, oh, dude, your car. The lady's like, oh, the kangaroo. <laughs> and so anyway... I took the car back the next day and said, hey gentlemen, good news and bad news. Good news is we love the car, love the car. Bad news is not quite in the same state that you gave it to us yesterday. Just as well it wasn't one of those big kangaroos on steroids <laughs> that would have cleaned the whole thing up, right? Here's the thing, the kangaroo came out like stealth from the bushes, there was nothing we could do. And in fact, it turned out good for me because they now had a second-hand car on their hand and they said, we'll fix the car, give you $8,000 discount and we still drive that car today. And so I call it my kangaroo discount, right? So you don't have kangaroos, but you might have a deer discount um, if you can play it right, you know. Um, and so the, the, the kangaroo came out like stealth, but nothing a, a panel shop wasn't able to fix. Here's the thing, the enemy comes out like stealth to you and wants to do way more than some panel damage. And he does that by messing with truth. The, the Bible says that truth has been trodden down in the streets. In, in Romans chapter one, verse 
25, it says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And there's lots of areas we, we know in our culture right now where, where, where governments have grabbed a hold. You know, the fundamental truth in the very first chapter of the Bible was you can have all of the trees of the garden, hook in, eat as much as you like, but don't touch the tree in the middle of the garden. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you need to leave me in charge of deciding what is good and what's evil. And Adam and Eve took the fruit, in doing so took on the responsibility of themselves deciding what is good and what is evil. And the rest they say is history. So there's lots of examples of the way that the enemy has stealthily undermined God's truth. And the one I wanna to talk to you today is probably one of the most fundamental aspects of that. I was on an airplane, about to get on an airplane in Los Angeles a number of years ago. And normally I'm a pretty chatty sort of a guy, friendly sort of character. I enjoy having a conversation, having a bit of a laugh out loud. But if I've had a busy tour of duty, uh, then sometimes on a plane, all I want to do is sleep and I, I'm really, I don't want to be all that sociable. I know it doesn't sound very Christian of me, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but that was the case that particular day. So I get on and uh, I'm flying business class. It's across the pond. And, and I saw the, the, the chap was gonna sit next to me. And I said, hi, how you going? And I'm like, as the, as the words are coming out of my mouth, I'm saying, shut up, you idiot, stop talking. And he said, hi, how are you? And I said, what's your name? And I'm like, ah! He said, my name's Wes, what's yours? I said, it's Michael. And then I said, what do you do? And he said, I run a zoo. And I went, you, you, you run a zoo? I'm thinking I've never met anyone that runs a zoo before. What sort of zoo do you run, Wes? He said, I run Australia Zoo. I'm Steve Irwin's best buddy, the crocodile hunter, crocodile guy. Now he was, Steve had passed away by that point in time. But I then, I'm thinking, you're not going to get any sleep now because I'm going to be pumping you with questions. <laughs> but while I had you, I said, we sat down, we, you know, hooked into some dinner and we're chatting a little bit. And I said, while I got you here, Wes, and I found myself talking like Steve Irwin. Again, I'm thinking, Murphy, you're an idiot. What? Hey, 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 Wes, hey, hey, have you ever had any close calls, crikey, with any of those crocs? I think he probably was just rolling his eyes. He was very kind to me, probably kinder than I deserved at the time. He said, actually, yes. He said, we had a flood at the zoo a number of years ago. And he said, Steve and I were cleaning out the croc enclosure. He said, we had a, num another, a young guy who was on lookout duty because Graham, who's not another worker, Graham's the name of the 15 foot croc in the, in, the, in the connecting, you've heard of Graham, one of the biggest crocs in the world history. And he was in the, in the neighboring lagoon, but they were joined. So this guy goofed off. And as Wes was bending over, Graham came up behind him and snapped him across the butt and the top of the legs. He then went up in the air and was about to come down and crack his skull when Steve Irwin grabbed his tail and mid-air crash tackled Graham and saved Wes's life. I, I, I just about stood up in the, in the airplane, took the seat, but I love you, Steve Irwin! <laughs> 
he showed me a photo actually. He said, here's the stitches and, and I'm feeling a bit awkward about that because I've got this grown man I'm going to be sitting next to for the rest of the evening who's just showing me a photo of his butt. He said, I've got others. I said, oh, no, no, it's okay. I've got that indelibly printed in my mind. That, that, that crocodile came out like stealth. So here's the fundamental thing that I want to I chat to you about over these next three and a half hours. <laughs> a bit of nervous laughter, especially from Pastor Jake on the front row. <laughs> That'll test your resolve. There you go. He said, he, he, he said um, that, 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 that Steve was, was ju- just, just took that moment to snatch back. The truth I want to talk to you about today is that God's love for you has nothing to do with you. God's love for you has nothing to do with you. The Bible says God is love. God is love. It's the very essence of who He is. That's why He loves you. Because it's His nature to love. Now you might not be a churchy. You might have come along in the, on the Candy Palooza weekend, revving up. You can feel your tummy kind of like, Aah. and your dentist is on speed dial. It's like, yep, coming next week. He loves you. You say, well, <laughs> you don't know what sort of week I had. You know, I fell into this temptation, I I, I drank this, I looked at that, I was nasty to my kids or my wife or my husband. You don't, God loves you, not because of you. And the enemy would say, call yourself a Christian. Or he loves other people, but given your background, hmm, rolled eyes, you gotta be joking. God loves you, not for you. He loves you because He is love. The title of my message, if you're looking for it today, is Love's Got to Run. Love's Got to Run. I remember when I was uh, dating my beautiful wife, Valerie, she lived on the northern beaches of Sydney, which is about 45 minutes away from where I used to work. And I used to drive up there, uh, even for a long lunch, or sorry, have, a, have an extended lunch, drive up there, have a coffee, uh, turn around, come back. This particular day, I, I bought a single rose. I thought, I oh, she'll love that. And at the time, there was another young man who was vying for her affections. We'd only just started going out. So I had the single rose. I knocked on the door. She was a flight attendant at the time, had not long come back from a trip, I think, to the US. And uh, so she's pretty tired, but I had the rose behind my back and she answered the door and says, thank you so much for those two dozen roses that you sent me. (laughs) Which I didn't. I missed an opportunity there, fellas. And here's the 25th, my darling. (laughs) I felt the rose behind my back go. (laughs) Love's got to run. I remember there was a time where my son, I'll get to the word in a moment, get my son was at the airport with me. He was like four. He's now six foot three. Pastor Jake is six foot two and three quarters, as Pastor Bethany likes to remind him. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll give you the six three. And Ryan, my son, is now six foot three. He's a lawyer, but he was about four at that point in time. Pastor Brian Houston was coming in from an overseas trip, and I was waiting for him. And I looked up at the at the arrivals board and uh, looked away just for a moment, and my son was disappeared. He, he was gone. He, he he was playing on the equipment. Then he's 
So initially say, Ryan, 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 Ryan! Love's got to run. Love's got to run. There's a beautiful verse. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, he was, he was writing to a church at a place called Corinth. And uh, in, in the first letter that he wrote to them, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 13, here's what it says. Now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The very next verse, which is the first verse of the next chapter, realizing the original uh, scroll did not have chapter and verse. I'm glad they put that. It helps to find stuff. But it says, pursue or run after love. Love's got to run. Run after love. Desire spiritual gifts, but the greatest of those is, is prophecy. Pursue love. Pursue love. Get focused on it. God is love. Pursue God. Pursue love. In Luke chapter 15, we read the tail end of a, a, a verse that is, that is about a, 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 a boy that, that insisted on getting his, his inheritance. And uh, he squandered it. He said, Dad, I want my, my inheritance. And there's a couple of problems with that. A, in the Jewish culture, inheritance is a big deal. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 13, I think verse 23, it says a good man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. So he really does well in laying up for generations. So they are really big. And you would know this if you know any, any, uh, any, any Jewish folk. Uh, they do pretty well in business and they look after their families and so forth. Big deal. Worse still, if you squander an inheritance amongst Gentiles. This young kid ended up eating pig swill. He got so far away from what was intended for his life, it's a double bunger. And, uh, and the dad, when he saw him coming, just ran for him, threw his arms around him, kissed his neck and said, basically, you're forgiven. Such a powerful story. The, ver the verse says, and he arose and came to his father, verse 20 of, of Luke 15. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, God's heart is that we might understand that how much He loves each and every one of us. But if I was to say to you right now, you don't love God enough. Look at what God's done for you. You don't love God. I mean, you'd probably get a good response there. You'd feel really bad and you'd say, well, Guilty as charged, you're right. I could get up on the chair. You don't love God enough. Look at you, look at you. Sitting here all smug in church like. It's a bit of British accent right there. <laughs> Sorry, just dirty to clean chairs. Well, what good would that be? We'd squirm back in the old days. You miserable sinners. Tell us something we don't know. So that's not, the, not what I'm saying here today. In fact, the, the Bible makes it clear, we love him because he first loved us. The way to discover and increase your love for God is to get a greater revelation of his love for you. And so today, rather than you focusing up on yourself and whether you should love God more or, or how, how do you know? How, how, how much love for God is enough love for God? 
Like 50 million loves? <laughs> a trillion loves? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a treadmill that you just can't, you can't win with. But if I said to you, the way that you love God more is to discover his love for you, I I can get that. I can understand that. You know, God's heart is that we might understand that his love is just so immense in our lives. In in Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, it says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, Do not cease to give thanks to you and make mention of you in my prayers. In uh, in Romans chapter five and verse five, it says, the love of God is is gushes out or runs, runs out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. And, And for it says in verse eight, when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commends his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So rather than avoiding our mess, God runs to our mess. Love runs toward the pain. Right now, I know that some of you aren't feeling like the name of the church might imply. Some of you feel like your joy is depleted. Some of you feel beaten up. Some of you feel doubt. Some are feeling shame. Some are feeling really, really low. And I get that. But God's heart for you is for you to understand God runs toward your pain. And, and, and what he asks of us is to run toward the pain of those around us. I prayed a dangerous prayer the other day. I've been praying a couple of prayers, which is a good thing, as you would probably, you know, being a pastor, but a couple of prayers that, that one comes out of my past and the other one I've learned recently um, called the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. It's a prayer that Jewish folk pray in the morning and the night and they, and they learn it from a young age. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these things, he says, I have put in your heart. And and, and that goes on and says, share these things with your kids. When you walk by the way, when you're chilling out, when you're rising up, when you're lying down. It's so important. Mums and dads, not a heavy trip here. God has given you an ability to impart the love of God and the truth of God to your kids. He would not have put it in the word otherwise. The other prayer that comes from my Roman Catholic roots, you see, you see my background, I was brought up in a, in a Catholic background. I was an altar boy and then I went wild. Can, can I just, just a little moment of vulnerability here, if that's okay. I want you to know, I wasn't brought up in a Christian background. I, 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 I went to church, did all that stuff, but I actually didn't know Jesus. And you might hit me here and you might say, well, I'm kind of a Christian, but I, I really don't know Jesus. We're gonna do some business with God just in a few moments time. But for me, I was sexually abused by a male associated with the church at a, as, as a 14 year old boy. Not a priest, but he was kind of like a deacon guy that hung around the church. And of course, when your sexuality is being formed there, is, it, is this too much, is it right? Okay, you, it will, candy will fix it in a little while, right? <laughs> I thought, man, I didn't want to tell anyone. So I thought I'd try and prove my heterosexuality and got very promiscuous, very young. It ended up in a whole lot of craziness 
including heavy drinking and stuff. My girlfriend at 18, we were going out for 18 months, fell pregnant. And uh, we were gonna get married. I dropped out of commerce law at university. And, uh, and, but the relationship fell really badly apart. Her mum and dad were really not keen on me and her hooking up. And to be honest, if I were them, I was a, ro- I was a mongrel. I would have done exactly the same thing. So it fell apart and I never saw the baby. And uh, she raised the child, married a friend of the family who was a bit older than her. And uh, I was pastoring our church many years later. Met Valerie, had our kids. And, uh, and, and, and I, was, I was preaching. In a moment, I'm gonna pray with everyone here that says, Michael, I need to get my life right with Jesus or I've got to come back into that sweet spot. So we're gonna do some business with God. I did that that particular day when I was preaching and a couple of people responded. They lifted their hand and said, can you pray for me? And, and they put it down again. And, 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 and in the foyer afterwards, one of them came up to me and said, can I talk to you for a minute? And I recognised her to be one of the ones that had lifted her hand and prayed. And I said, of course, pastor, a new Christian, this beautiful 18-year-old girl looked at me in the eye and said, I'm your daughter. First time I'd ever laid eyes on her. And I said, I'm so pleased to meet you. Can I give you a hug? And then I was hugging my daughter in the foyer of the church that I was the lead pastor of. God's, God's grace is amazing. I'm your father. I, I, sorry, I'm your daughter. That means I'm your father. And obviously I knew it was right. My father's heart just did cartwheels that day. I can't even describe. But guess what? I'm this dude that was a young pastor, still trying to work a whole lot of things out, really broken background, really broken background, and, and my heart just leapt, did cartwheels inside my chest. How much more? How much more when today you turn your head for home and say, God, I'm sick of trying to do this myself. I'm sick of trying to just be religious or bump along the bottom. This is more important than candy. No, candy's good. Your heavenly father's heart just erupts inside his celestial chest as you say, God, I need you. I need you. God runs toward the pain. God, love, love, love runs to obey. The Bible says in Luke 14, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, again, a religious, legalistic slant on that intonation would go, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. But no, no, there's another way to see that. If you love anyone, you want to do what they ask. If you love me, you're going to be able to keep my commandments. You're going to be able to love God with all your heart. You're going to be able to love even each other. Heaven know there are some people that are easy to love and some people there's a bit of a stretch. Don't look around right now. Not in this room. Not in this room. Love runs to obey. You know, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, and I'm bringing this to a close now, which for a preacher means nothing. No, it's true, I am, I am. We'll be done before two, I promise you. God in his word, and particularly it's relevant in this season, 
Because here's what could easily happen. And I know you guys didn't close down as much as some. I think Melbourne's got the, the medal for the most lockdown city in the world. Woohoo! Yay, Melbourne. But still, in a time of disruption, where fear, 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 it's easy just to take your foot off the gas and to kind of put your, put your life in. You know how you have some cars have eco mode? Just put it in the... We'll watch online in our Ugg boots and our jammies. Used to come every week. Every couple of weeks is okay. Every three. Once a month. Joy Church is... Pastor, we love that message you preached. And you think, that was two months ago. <laughs> Joy, we love Joy Church. We've got friends there. It's amazing. We're just such busy people. God says in his word, hey, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some. This is not a new issue. And so again, it's not a chide, it's not a chastisement, but as we love God and we understand his love for us, why wouldn't we not, why would we not want to get together? Come on. It's easy to stop serving. I know right now they need some workers in the kids' ministry and they've got a worship team Interest meeting coming up very, very soon. Why not, why not jump back on the horse? Yeah, not, not out of a sense of obligation. Some of you might have even stopped or not started giving. Come on, why don't we, why don't we step up? God, this is an exciting time. This is the, this is the church's finest hour. Mm-hmm. Love runs to the pain. Who in your world right now is in pain that it's easy just to keep at arm's length. The truth is you don't need to have all the answers. You just need to make yourself available and watch what God does miraculously. Get on the phone, invite him for a coffee, invite him to church. Love runs to obey. Let's get back in the room. Let's get back on teams. Let's get back in groups. Let's start giving. This place is, is, is primed. To, to, to launch into something so exciting in this next season. It's a setup, I believe, by God. Yeah. People's lives are rocked. There's resets going all over the place. Well, to me, that's a setup for the church if we're prepared to step up. Yeah. Yeah. So you might say, well, you're, you're preaching to the choir. We're in the room. Tell your friends. And if you're watching online, we love you. It's so great that you are watching online. But you know what? If we haven't had the privilege of shouting you a Giving, buying your coffee or have, having a chat and hearing your story. Why don't you, why don't you purpose even next week to come and, uh, and, and, and meet some of these amazing, amazing people? And the final thing is love runs ahead of shame. Love runs ahead of shame. Can I have the, some singers and musicians up, please? Um, I mentioned before the story of the, of the prodigal son. And for a father in the Jewish culture to run was an absolute shame. Like it was, it, he would have trashed his reputation. He had, to, he had to tie up his robe, put it in his belt, exposing his naked legs. And Jewish men did just did not do that. What was it, apart from his love for his son, that caused him to be prepared to trash his reputation. 
in, the, in front of all the other elders and distinguished people around. See, there's a thing called kazaza, which is a ceremony that the villagers quite probably were wanting to engage this young man in. Some would say that, that the villagers, kazaza, K-E-Z-Z-A-Z-A-H, I think it is in anglicised. Kazaza recognised the shame that this boy had put his father through. And then he trashed the inheritance that his father had painstakingly raised for, to set his sons up. And not only that, but he trashed it with Gentiles. He ended up eating pig swill. Not all that kosher. And so history tells us that quite likely those, those villagers were running to the boy to surround him. And the story goes that they would take a piece of pottery and they would They would shatter the pot. And they said, this is your life. You are dead to us. What you've done to your father. You are cut off from this community. Put up with the shards of your shame. Get out of our face. Many commentators believe that one of the reasons that dad was running was to get ahead of the villagers so that, they, that this, his son would not be forced to face the ignorant, ignorant the, the, the difficulty of his shame. And of course, when the father embraced the son, an act of incredible forgiveness, that's, that called the villagers off. Hey, what does that sound like to you? Sounds like something your heavenly father has done? in sending Jesus to set His face like flint to run to that cross, to get there ahead of your shame being exposed. Because what Jesus did at the cross dealt with your sin, dealt with your shame, never to be remembered again. For those of you that have got shame, for those of you that are feeling the disquiet of not making the grade, with God, I've got a word for you right now. Shame off you. Shame off you. The shards of your shame have been dealt with once and for all at the cross of Jesus Christ. Come on. If you're going to give Jesus a hand, make sure it's a really good one. Come on, why don't we thank God for all He is to us. So obviously, I don't know most of you. A couple of faces that I now recognise. Wonderful. It's been so beautiful to be here and thank you for receiving God's Word. But I've got one more thing, one more thing that I think is really important. And I want to pray for everyone here that says, Michael, you know what? I'm distant from God or I'm bumping along the bottom spiritually, or I'm here for Candy Palooza, and if you'd shut up in a minute, I'd get some candy. Just before we do. Regardless of why you came, hopefully I'm believing, and I prayed in the wee hours this morning, I was wakeful during the night, praying for you, 
praying no matter where you come from or what your background is, that the Holy Spirit would just reveal Jesus to you and how much He really loves you. And so if you are here for the first time or the first time in a long time, and you're aware that your heart's away from God, or maybe, maybe you've, you've, you've been tracking along and bumping along the bottom spiritually, today's the day where you get to open your heart up and acknowledge your need for God once again and step right into the richness of the forgiveness that He's won for you. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna simply count to three. When I hit three, Everyone here from the front to the back on either side who says, Michael, that's me you're talking to. Pray for me. I wanna, I wanna today acknowledge my need of Jesus and come back into a relationship with Him or for the very first time. Just make a connection with Him. I want you to confidently, when I hit three, lift your hand in the air. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down again. Then we're gonna pray and do some business with God. Is that okay? Is that okay? Let's go right now. One, just close your eyes right across the house. One, Jesus Christ died that you might have life, that you might have your shame and sin dealt with once and for all at the cross. Two, Jesus says in His Word, today is the day of salvation. When you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Don't diss Him, but open your heart and respond to Him. From the front to the back, on either side, everyone got their eyes closed. When I hit three, I want everyone here who says, Michael, that's me you're talking to. Pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. I want you to confidently and boldly put your hand in the air right now. If that's you, friend, where are you? Three, right across the house. Lift it up. Many, many hands. God bless you. Keep it up. Yes, God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Beautiful lady there. God bless you, sweetie. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, right up the back there. God bless you there. Right at the very back. Good on you, sir. Just in front of the sound desk there. So good. God bless you, buddy. You haven't raised your hand, but you know you want to. Quickly, lift it up. We're going to pray just in a moment, do some business with God. I'm just going to look across the congregation. Yep, you are so worth waiting for at the back there. Beautiful. If you need Jesus, you're in the right place. My final call, if you haven't raised your hand, but you want to, confidently and boldly lift it up right now lift it up right now wonderful wonderful oh gosh it's so amazing joy church before we pray i want you to give each and every one of those people that are responding to jesus today an absolute shout of congratulations come on put your hands together right now let's thank god Let's thank God for every single person. Beautiful. Okay, we're going to pray. Now, if you raise your hand, you pray. Sweetie, I see those tears and so does God. Wow. He's just touching your heart. He loves you so much. We're going to pray. Now, I don't want you to pray a little, little under your breath prayer. We're, we're confident and bold. Even if you, you didn't raise your hand, great. Your family here and you're going to help those people by really praying confidently and boldly right now. Is that okay? Come on, let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now in the name of your Son, Jesus. I acknowledge my need of you from my heart with my mouth. I confess you as my Saviour and my Lord. And with the help of your Holy Spirit, 
I'm going to live shame free. I'm going to live every day to please you. I thank you for your love for me. And the more that I get that, the more that I love you. In Jesus' Name, amen and amen. God bless you. God bless.